I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, everyone. Tim Sylvie here, and I'm joined today by Tom McCluskey once again. How are you, Tom? Good. I'm a bit hay for injury, Tim. I'm struggling a little bit, mate, but we manage. We'll get through. Now, since our last show um, with Blake Hinsey, we at, well, we ran out of time. We had a load of listener questions which we didn't get around to talking about because we went into such a nerdy deep dive and everything performance and trackside engineering related. Uh, we spoke with Blake about working with Max Verstappen, Sergio Perez and more. So if you haven't listened to the last episode, go back and check that one out. But um, because we didn't have time, we thought we'd jump back on with Blake and ask some of the questions that were left on our Instagram. Um, we asked for some listener questions and we got some. So we're going to touch on them in a moment. But before we do, Blake, first of all, welcome back. Are you looking forward to the racing this weekend? And can anyone stop Mr. Max Verstappen? Uh, Two-part answer to that question, Tim. Good morning. Hello. I'm fully caffeinated. No hay fever. Thank you very much. I'm fortunate. Anybody suffering us in my, yeah, regrets. <laughs> but... Am I looking forward to the Monaco Grand Prix? Strangely, yes. I know, you know, we all know that it's going to be a bit of a procession, but I think there's some interesting narratives this weekend. And the one that I'm thinking of is I just looked at Albert Fabrega, all the photos, everybody's brought a big new rear wing and more drag and more downforce. And I did not think that Aston Martin could put any more drag or downforce on that car. So, um, as, as my point of excitement this weekend, I want to know, A, is Mercedes' new car, are they going to be able to unlock some potential that's noticeable here around Monaco, A, and B, I, it's free practice one hasn't happened yet, and I'm not going to say that I'm super surprised if the Aston is extremely competitive, so I'm looking forward to that this weekend. I hope that Sunday um, pisses it down, I hope it's super wet, I hope they roll out the new wet tires, I hope they try the inters, maybe a, a short stand on the softs back to the enters and then finish under um, full wets. Uh, we can dream, that's right? Dream. We can dream, that's right? The, that's the that's the dream, mate. I, I was going to ask, uh, actually, briefly, Blake, how much can Mercedes learn at a track like Monaco with such a 
significant update because it's not just the side pods it's the floor it's the front suspension as well like how much can they actually get from monaco it's a tough one because like monaco is one of those things where you set the car up in such a different window it's super bumpy look at like turn five you you see them going down towards the braking zone and they have to like drive around this bump i mean you're the the car is set up like a four by four in terms of formula one standards so how much will they learn enough um would I rather have learned and introduced that package in Emma or Barcelona? Absolutely. But Monaco's about just keeping it out of the walls. And unless it's terrible, unless it has some huge, huge problems that they haven't seen in the simulator uh, with the suspension or something else, I, I expect it should be okay. I, I mean, they're going to they're gonna be learning, but yeah, it's not really one of those tracks you want to be introducing big upgrades on, but they kind of had to considering a lot of the bodywork was literally cutting fairings off of the survival cell to put new fairings on to attach the new bodywork and new bits and pieces you you can't you can't crawl, you can't ab compare that across cars and free practice one that's literally you need a day or two to prep the chassis to have all the the new bolt-ons on so good luck to them and i hope that they make some inroads and in finding some performance so that they can at least by the end of the season be caught up and we can have some three-way head-to-head wheel-to-wheel action um next season right should we get into these questions so i am gonna just go from from the top down um so we'll start with oscar oscar calver jr or jr he says blake i've always been curious to know if the car each year that is produced is just a continuation of the previous year with upgrades or if it's made from scratch if it does get made from scratch does the process of a new season car start right as the previous season is over or is it simultaneously happening while the season is undergoing great question oscar my friend over to you blake very good question it it, it entirely depends right so Every now and then you've got a regulation shakeup. We had the introduction of the hybrid V6s back in 2014. And then uh, 2022, we had the, you know, the new underfloors, the 18-inch wheels and all that stuff. So those are your, your regulation changes. And those are a little bit more clean slate, but you're never throwing away anything that you've learned. You know, a lot of the stuff, the suspension geometry, the philosophies, those you evolve, evolve, and as, as the aero package has different requirements you change those characteristics to suit but it's it's really tricky if you go back to like you know when you when if i was to design a car from scratch tomorrow like let's say i went back and did formula student or formula let's say in university and i was going to design this car from scratch i would need to build a car that had such a big window in terms of setup because i don't know how the tires are going to react i don't know if we have air on the car how does that work I, i need such a big window to set up this car um, because I don't know what, what weight distribution do I need to run? What mechanical balance do I need to run? How much aero balance am I going to have? Am I going to have issues with compliance? So that's, that's like starting from scratch, but teams don't want to do that. They, they take as much as they can learn. You might have huge pieces of carryover as long as the regulations haven't changed or you haven't um, been forced to make some changes to do with a new concept. For example, listening to um, the Red Bull podcast when uh, they were interviewing Adrian, you know, he's talking about, you know, this, this RB19 is an evolution of last year's car. And you, I mean, it was a strong car, A, so you would like to take as much as you can from that and fine tune it and get a little bit more of it. But um, so in, in terms of developing, like, say, the next year's car, that entirely depends on the team. Like, let's say that you've got 2026 regulations. 
I don't think anybody's probably working on too much in detail. Maybe there's one or two people looking at concepts for 2026 regulations when we have the new uh, engines, right? But I, I think a lot of the other regulations are still being hammered out. In terms of, let's say, next year, 2024, are Red Bull starting to look at concepts for next year? Probably. But it's not like, it's not like you have 75% of the workforce looking at that. You might have a couple of people doing, what do we want to change about the RB19? Okay, go away and let's let's scheme that. So you have like, you know, short-term R&D and then like your long-term R&D stuff. And then once we get towards the end of the season and maybe they say, you know what, uh, boys and girls, we've got this championship wrapped up, both of them, it's no problem, easy to the end. Maybe they'll start shifting efforts over earlier. And that's good because once you're ahead in the cost cap era, locked in. That's... Advantage locked in for years, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What, Blake, what about um, specifically 16 to 17? Because the cars changed aesthetically quite a lot um, between 2016 and 2017. Um, what was your experience of how much carryover was between those two seasons? Ooh, what was 16, 17 the big 17 wheels? 17 was the big fins on the back and the kind of lower rear wings. Ah, I mean, I, th I think a lot of that, like, yeah, you, ha you have philosophical changes in the aerodynamics package, but in terms of suspension geometries changing massively, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I'm, I'm not sure when the, the wider tires were introduced. That escapes me. Uh, that wasn't 17 because I was still at the track in 17. Honestly, having that, been that's there... When you, that's yeah, when having, you were Red Bull still, right? Yeah, I was, I, was on, yeah. I was on Verstappen's car across 16 to 17. I don't remember anything massively changing like that. We we're like, oh, we've got to completely rethink how we do this. Um, so those, despite those visually large changes from an operational point of view and a vehicle dynamics point of view, maybe there wasn't so much that changed because nothing sticks out my memory. I could be completely repressing some uh, <laughs> some trauma or something, but... Quite possibly. Yeah. I mean, you did work with Max Verstappen, so... That was the RB13, though, wasn't it? 2017. You're challenging me there. Unlucky for some, <laughs> unlucky for us. <laughs> let's look, let's just look, I'm going to look it up really quickly because I need to know. No, sorry. That was the, uh, no, it was, it was the RB. Yeah, I think that was the RB13. Anyway, I digress. Shout out Nan underscore Dalf. Um, your question is, I want to be a mechanical design engineer, but what are the conditions to enter a team if I don't have any experience of racing at all? That's a great question. And I, I can answer that question. And I can also, um, in the same breath, kind of answer the broader question. Formula One, most Formula One teams uh, are hiring lots of, you know, young graduate designers. Um, you don't, like the expectation that you should have racing experience if you want to be a designer, you, you don't need to have racing experience to be a designer. Like you need to have uh, good CAD skills, good mechanical understanding. Um, most of you applying for that will be of a mechanical engineering background or you will maybe be of an aerospace engineering background. So if you want to do physical design of like components, like structural things, you'll most likely be a aerospace structures or mechanical engineer. And if you want to do aerodynamics, you'll most likely have a, a better understanding of external flows and aerodynamics. So I think those are the two really ways to do it. But like if, if you don't, let's say that you want to, you're a young aspiring engineer and you want to be a Formula One designer, the, the, the expectation that you have experience around race cars does not exist. I, I know very few mechanical engineers that work in Formula One that have racing experience. Now, if you said, uh, like, I'd like to be a performance engineer, I want to I do what you used to do. 
I would very much likely say that if you have a way to find experience at a track working inside of a race team, I mean, I, I, I always say don't work for free. You know, unpaid internships can get in the bin. But at the same time, it's like you, you don't need to do a full-time job. Do you have some spare weekends that you want to invest and go, right, let me, let me, uh, can I talk to your engineers? Let me help, let me help clean up. Let me, you know, can I talk to the engineers, mechanics setting up or to setting down this car? Can we talk about, can I volunteer anytime at a weekend to go to a race to help look after X, Y, Z electronics? I knew a lot of young people as I was coming up through my university that would, um, they were, they were moonlighting as, LMP2 engineers on the weekends and they were small teams you know they don't have a whole lot of budget they don't have a lot of resource but they'd pay your flights out there and they'd pay you some cash to uh, come out and do electronics for the weekend and um one of those guys is now um performance engineer for Kevin so yeah i mean it's it's great advice and 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 it's advice that's echoed up and down the paddock right at the top level i mean I, we've had people like um Trevor Carlin on here um, who who said the same thing? They 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 went in and they they forced their way in. I think there's an element of of you know if you don't necessarily have the skills, you've got to start at the bottom. You've got to force your Absolutely. way in, like you say. You know, I'll I'll come and do this. I'll ch- let me come and work in your wind tunnel. I'll I'll do it for peanuts. Let me just have a go. Let me come yeah. and shadow and see. Like Richard Cregan, who ran the Toyota F1 team back in the day, he he started as nothing, literally cleaning the floors in the in the in the um in the pit bays. Worked his way up, worked his way up, CEO, team principal, ran the team for years. Then when now he's like, I think he's at Miami now as the CEO of the of the racetrack or, or you know, one of those big tracks. I love so. that. But this, but like on, on the serious note is get get any kind of experience that you can. And if you do not do something to set yourself apart from everybody else, the hundreds, like when I was uh, when I was when I was a simulator performance engineer, I helped look through the pile of resumes or CVs that came in for the graduate in vehicle dynamics. I think the initial pile of CVs was like 500 to 800 CVs, first of all. And then after going through the, the filters on criteria before they reached uh, me and the head of vehicle dynamics, we ended up going through something like 100 CVs. And if, and if you just did the exact same motorsport engineering course as everybody else, and there's nothing in there that says, I went above and beyond, I'm super enthusiastic, I'm super curious, uh, I wrote these models in my life, I did this analysis in my free time, you know, if, if you were, yeah, if, you, if there's not something in there to set you apart, I'm not that interested to look at your CV. And, and, you know, the people that come after me aren't going to either. Also, Blake, quickly as well, something I wanted to ask because you can learn a lot of these software packages at home. Yep. With your experience, when you say CAD, computer added design, or yep. general software, which pieces of software do you think are, like could people learn at home that would have value in a Formula One team that are being regularly used in F1 teams? Just because yes. I feel like, you know, when I was, I did a bit of CAD when I was younger, but like yep. knowing the exact programs that the real teams are using uh-huh. means that, you know, if I can get really good at this, then. I've got I've got a potential win, you know. Yeah, so I will say most of the Formula One teams use NX or Katia right now, and those are big commercial packages which are expensive. If you go to university, for example, at Oxford Brooks where I went, they had academic Katia licenses, so you could learn Katia. Um, on the other hand, you know people change teams all the time, and you could be a senior designer with you know eight years of experience in Katia, and then you go somewhere else, and they're using Siemens, and you're like. That, that doesn't disqualify you from that because you know how to use CAD. You just have to learn a new interface. There's other free CAD software online. Like if you want to start drawing stuff right now, there's a thing called Onshape and it's a web-based CAD thing. I use it for doing DIY stuff all the time. 
So, you know, like there, there are ways that you can learn this. If you want to learn programming, if you can't get a MATLAB academic license, start learning Python yesterday. Make sure you know how to use Excel. If you can't use Excel, there's Google Sheets. There's like, honestly, if, if you have enough dedication and you can literally Google everything and find tools and resources to solve the problems and gain the skills that you need to set yourself apart from every other person applying for that job. That was a long answer, but like Love it. I, that gets me fired up. Nice. Great, great advice. Yeah, no, re really useful advice. Now, this this next guy, uh, Molnar.Joseph5, he's asked a couple of questions, so I'm probably going to pick one or two, but um, let's have a look. So th this is quite a techie one by the sound of it. Are all the simulation tools for vehicle performance built in-house or uh, or do they use commercial tools as well, such as Optimum G softwares or other vehicle dynamics softwares? Well, that's gone straight over my head, but I assume you know what he's talking about. <laughs> ah, that's... That, that's and that's um so basically there's a, a range a whole suite of tools that formula one teams and racing teams will use you've got uh, you know suspension kinematic software so that's you plugging in the suspension linkages and looking at all the interactions of those things there's uh packages to analyze tire data and produce tire models that you can use in the simulations and then there's lap time simulation packages which is the bread and butter of every team which is you know you've got this virtual car around the virtual track and you can say right go do a lap and then I want to measure all the parameters and like, how's the car behaving? How's the performance? What's the balance likely to be? And so on. You can use that to perform sensitivities so that you can see what rear wing should we run this weekend? That's a lap simulation problem. Um, and then on from that, then you have your real-time models, which will be basically the physics behind your driver in the loop simulator and all these things related. So most Formula One teams use bespoke software packages. I do not know of any Formula One teams using Optimum G. Um, but that's just because these teams have enough money and resources. They can develop the tools by themselves. Um, there are a lot of smaller teams and formula one teams using canopy, which is a cloud based, um, simulation. Oh, and, and I've heard several people that have worked with that in the industry is quite good. Um, I actually reached out to them if they wanted to do some educational content and they said, we're not interested right now. It's like, oh, you're making <laughs> yeah. too much money. I see. I understand. But, but like. Um, yeah, th those kind of things are good in terms of, uh, there's some other packages that you, that people will use, but I think Canopy is probably one of the most popular ones right now. That's not bespoke. And I think that's, I think that's a couple of McLaren guys that used to make that, or that ex McLaren people that have gone on to make that. Um, yeah, I, I think everything, almost everything in a formula one is bespoke. Some of the smaller teams will probably be using Canopy, but they've got, uh, race watches, a strategy software. A lot of teams use race watch. A lot of teams have their own software packages that analyze strategy and timing. So yeah. Interesting. Interesting. All right. I'm going to ask the next one from Gaspard underscore underscore FRL. Um, Blake, how much did you get paid for the amount of hours you worked? <laughs> Boom. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, here's, here's a great, uh, here's my advice on that to anybody. Never, ever, 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 if you work in motorsport, calculate your hourly wage, unless you're Adrian Newey, right? Everybody, everybody used to make the jokes like, you know, he's, he's a bit of a legend. Everybody's heard of Adrian, right? And it was like one of those things, I think somebody calculated once as a, as a joke, I don't know if it's true, but it's like, if he dropped a 20 pound note on the floor, it would cost him more money to pick it up than it would just to keep walking, right? And whereas, you know, like this, this, is, this is legendary uh. status, Adrian knew it, right? But where it's Fantastic. like, is me, 
as a performance, a trackside performance engineer, I made decent money. I don't want to say, I don't want to give numbers. It's not particularly interesting. Um, yeah, I, I never wanted to calculate my hourly salary because if that was the case, then I might as well just go, um, you know, work at fast food. But um, I, w- I will I think like a, probably an entry level junior engineer salary, probably low 30s right now. It's, it's not a lot of cash. Like if you, if you, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're hot shit and you're pretty clever and you want to make some cash, go work in banking. I mean, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to work some hours in that as well in finance. Fine. But if, if your goal is to. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. If you, if your first thing is how much money am I going to make? Am I going to get loaded? Do you need? Yeah, yeah go somewhere else. Like business. literally, like I'm not trying to discourage yeah. you, but I am trying to discourage you because if you're not passionate about it. Yeah, you need the right yeah, you, you're gonna, frame of mind, don't you? Yeah, you're going to... Well, so, so, Blake, like, w- when you go to a race, how much would you have to pay throughout your own back pocket? Nothing. I'm assuming all flights and accommodation, yeah. nothing at all. No, so the teams will pay The teams will pay hotels, the teams pay flights, all your transports to and from. Let's say that you live, let's say, you know, south of England and you need to get to the factory. Probably you need to pay your own way to get up to the factory. Let's say that you're a, a mechanic or something that, you know, you're not yeah. in the factory that often because of how gone, how often you're away for work. And the cars are gone half the time for flyways. Um, and the other thing is like you get also most teams will compensate traveling staff a, a per diem, a daily amount, which covers, you know, uh, you know, so you don't eat at the track. You can have food or drink and you're taken care of. I was never out of pocket as a result of going away, actually, because, you know, for six years I was traveling to all the races. I say I yeah, saved so spending. much cash and yeah. I had the per diems. Um, so, yeah, I yeah, definitely. Um, it's fun. It's I'm not trying to discourage anybody because it is it is a lot of work. It's a lot of hours. But some of the experiences that I have, you could not nobody in the world could pay for those experiences that I got to have or that I earned or whatever. And if if you do work in F1 and uh, you ever do the Austin Grand Prix, if you ever get if you ever get if you're listening to this, and you get to work in F1, you go to the Austin Grand Prix Sunday night in Pete's Dueling Piano Bar or the Blind Pig, you will have the time of your life. Uh yeah, I frequented both of those. I actually, I always avoided the piano bar because I heard some, uh, some, some people usually got pretty loose there Sunday night, and I, oh, yeah. I my hangovers kill me. So, uh, Blind Pig definitely a great time up on the roof terrace. Great music, a couple Paps Blue Ribbon, you know the vibes. Well, actually, if you become a content creator, even better, Tom. I mean, you know, we we saw each other in Miami. Like, I'm not I don't want to make people feel. Go like, on, talk about it. You know. So, so we, we, Tom came, Tom, Tom was it, Tom was in Miami and, um, I was there as well. Um, 
I was with a client who ha- had a very nice time. And, and one of the things that we both did was go to a party um, at a hotel, uh, a certain brand, well-known hotel with, uh, well, this is going to give it away. It's just Hilton. I mean, it's Paris Hilton was there. So we had Paris Hilton on the decks. We had oh, the oh, McLaren oh. boys there. We had free booze. Apparently Serena a, Williams was there. Serena although Williams I didn't see was it. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> these are the circles we uh, move in these days. You see, uh, see all right, just not to not to hijack the uh, show too much, but uh, when are we going to end up at a race this season? The, the three. Yeah, we should do it. We well, do it. I was going to actually ask you, Blake. I, I'm hijacking my own question here. Go have on. you got any recommendations for both Austria and Hungary? Because I should be going to both this year. Yes, um, Budapest. Uh, Budapest is beautiful, fantastic. You will not be short of uh, a great time. It's not particularly expensive. There's a restaurant that I always used to eat at. um, And I remember very, very well uh, walking into the restaurant. I was at Force India. It was my first time at Budapest. We walk into this restaurant called the Pomodoro or Pomodoro. It's an Italian restaurant in Budapest. Yes, we didn't go have goulash that night. I'm sorry, but this place was fantastic. Um, And we walk in. We go sit at this table in the back, and I look over to my right, and there's Michael Schumacher and his trainer having a meal back in the corner. And that was one of those moments, like you know, I, I, I you know, I was in, the, I was in the industry for about a year at that point, um, and I'd seen Michael in the paddock before, but it's a, you know, seeing Michael Schumacher having a meal I, out at a restaurant, just like some normal dude. Even legends have to eat. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. so. A fantastic uh, restaurant, great steaks, great pasta. They have this uh, priest choker pasta, and they get the big wheel of Parmesan, and they pour a little bit of spirits. Mm. They light the Parmesan. They scrape the cheese, pour in some tomato sauce live there at your table. If you don't end up at that restaurant and send me photographs, I will be okay. slightly disappointed in you. And, uh, Tom, take lots of pairs of shorts. Budapest is always boiling hot. It is so hot there. It, I wasn't expecting it. First time I went, it was like the hottest place on earth. It, it's good weather. I love the place. Unexpectedly. It's a great city. Absolutely fantastic city. Happy days. Um, we should definitely go to a race together. There must be a way of making that happen. I think I'll be at Silverstone. Um, but um, potentially Vegas, actually. Oh, I've got an idea for Vegas. We'll take that offline. Okay. Got an let's, idea. Let's go. <laughs> um, okay. As long right. as you're paying, Tim. <laughs> uh, I will try and find someone yeah, else. Exactly. To pay. That's that's the rule. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh okay, this is my favorite. This is highbrow stuff, really technical. Um, and I assume there's there are technicalities within this. What's your morning hair routine? Always looking like a spunk. That is from F1 Luke's. Oh, it's Luke I, Sam. I you know what? I <laughs> I absolutely love Luke Sam. What an yeah, absolute legend. Hilarious dude. Um, my morning hair routine, it's something like I wake up. Um, and then since I'm a degenerate content creator that lives at home and I sit in gym shorts most of the day and I wear free hats, thanks multiviewer, you're an absolute legend. Um, I, I wash my hair, might put a little bit of product in it. I might just throw a hat on, uh, you know, I might go for a little run or a cycle. Um, I let, let the sweat marinade for about 30 minutes before I shower and I'll have a little bit of breakfast and maybe a, a macchiato or a flat white off of my uh, Rancilio Silvia espresso machine. A little bit of latte art. Very nice. I, come on, Luke. <laughs> He's so funny, though. I love his content. What's the product? What product do you use, Blake? What was your, uh, <sighs> Is it, what's the like the Soho wax, the like the light blue one? It's like the matte Ooh. clay. That's it. Ooh. I mean, Tim. Tim's I, I, not wearing a hat today. Any audio listeners? No. Hair's looking no. absolutely on point. 
I uh, I use uh, the VO5, uh, not the, is it the wax or the putty? I think it's the wax. Okay. It's like the really, really thick stuff. You've really got to rub it in your hands to warm it up. Real technical and, stuff here. Uh, uh. Yeah, it's good stuff. It holds maximum hold, five-star hold. That's yeah, it's all about. You got to get the whole. It's looking good, man. Looking sharp. Me and Tom looking like. Uh, we're just looking. We're looking. We're looking um, unbothered. We're looking relaxed. We're looking chill. Like we don't have any. We don't have any meetings on today. We don't have to make a call to somebody in Las Vegas later to say, "Hey, uh, my buddy Tomo and Blake, we're trying to get out of here and vibe out." What are we saying? <laughs> but it's, sometimes Tom's is like all floppy, and he, he looks like a character like out of some Hugh Grant film. And sometimes it's all beautifully done. Tim. What? Go on. I meant to have a word with you about this, actually, because I remember this episode, this was like a while back. And I, I just oh, was yeah. like, oh, th this isn't, yeah. this isn't going to use video wise. Like it's only going to be audio. So, so, so I lit my hair was like, it was like almost parted down the middle. It looked ridiculous. And then you clicked part of it mm -hmm. and put it on the bloody internet. And I'm like, Tim, why, man? I did do that. Why, you, why have you done me dirty like that? Uh, I don't know. It just, it just felt right. Just felt right. <laughs> <laughs> um, good hair chat. Good hair chat. Um, have we got any others? Have we got That's a couple bad. more I think, here? I, uh, I, there's, two, there's two good questions from this list. And it goes, one of the first ones from Declan Kearney 2 And then the yes. other one from Yago Cardu. And it's basically a path from graduating to job in F1 and then getting a job at Red Bull. So my path is probably not particularly uh, unique. The only weird thing about my path is uh, coming from the U.S. So here's here's that in like, I'll try to do it in like 60, 70 seconds. Um, mechanical engineering background. I started quite late. I didn't go to university until I was like 20. Um, I just took a couple years out after high school because I didn't know what I wanted to do. You don't need to know what you want to do right away. It's, sometimes it's worth waiting, right? Um, I got heavily involved in the Formula Student Program at the University of Texas at Arlington, and that gave me my first exposure, my second exposure, really, to the motorsport world. The first one, as we talked in the first episode, was doing Spec MX-5 uh, club racing in the U.S. So Formula Student is a collegiate design series where you design, build, race, present uh, a, f a small scale Formula Student car. Uh, they are fast. You know, they've got up to 600 cc engines. They've got aerodynamics on them. They're very cool. There's insane um that that really changed it for me then i was like right i want to be an engineer in formula one how do i do it i looked across i was like well i need to get to the uk yep i need to get to the uk uh so i'll go to oxford brooks university to do a motorsport master's degree for a year and then i was like okay i started applying for jobs and the good thing is me being um a foreigner to the to the uk slash eu um i needed a visa and as a result of doing this uh master's degree at the current time the immigration regulations allowed me to apply for a two-year post-study work visa, which is super important. If you do not have the right to work in the country that you're applying for, they will take your, and especially if you don't have experience, which I did not have. If you don't have, if you don't have the right to work, your CV goes out of the big pile and it goes straight into the bin. Those are the rules. Like it's, it's like, why would they consider you, uh, who is probably no experience, very little experience, despite how ambitious you may look, and then two, they have to pay for your visa when there's somebody local that has the same experience as you. Fine. Um, so I, I somehow got a job at Force India as a student placement. My, my first, this was like somebody's, you know, second year job that they were supposed to be doing, you know, like in between their first and second years in university. Me, 25, uh, with a master's degree. I'm like, I'll do that job for peanuts. It doesn't matter. Um, and then I got a 
then I got promoted to a junior engineer. So I got a decent salary then. It was still not great. That's fine. Uh, and then I became a trackside performance engineer when a vacancy was opened and they needed somebody who was could do the job. And I was kind of like the least worst person there at the time. <laughs> I mean, it's it, there's so many routes in, isn't there? And yep. it's so different for every individual. Do you know what this has made me think? We This feels like there should be like a we should webinar this like this this should be like a linkedin style live webinar to True. talk about how to get into jobs like yours jobs like tom's as well yeah. you know co content creation how do you do in, it in formula one how do you how how do you do that and then there's a lot of people you know, particularly now i'm working with a lot of talent at the moment and it's it's not easy to to stand out as an engineer or as a content creator from all the hundreds and thousands of other people that want to work in this space. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like live webinar, get a sponsor, yeah. stick it on the internet. Can I, can I dive in there? Yes. I've done both. I've, I, I, did yes. 12, I did 11 years of engineering in Formula One, and I've done um, coming up on a two years of content creation. I swear to God, content creation is harder than engineering in Formula One. And, and that's, yeah. that's a really weird thing to say. Because content creators and influencers and everything else, I wouldn't get away no, you, with saying you, that. You might I? not. You might not because it, it sounds like oh, here's, no. But like, let me say it. Let me say it. I think it is harder. Here's the thing: to, in order back. to get it, in order Cook. to get a job in Formula One, you need to have access to uh, probably an education, which, depending on where you live, could cost a lot of money. Uh, in the U.S., getting uh, a state education at, at a public university is expensive. Um, me as a foreigner coming to the UK to do housing and the degree, it is expensive. I, I was fortunate to have access to funds, you know, the people to help me out to pay for some of that. It, as simple as, you know, there's, yes, there are grants and stuff like that, but I didn't actually get any of those. So I, I'll put my hand up. I was in a very privileged and fortunate position. And then after that, you then have to be good enough or enough experience or enough well connected enough to meet people to help introduce you to that whereas if you wanted to be a content creator you don't need anything to start you you literally you need um you need a phone you, you literally need a telephone with a camera you can start there and it, that's fine but then it's like building all those steps there is no roadmap there is no like tomo your path your, your mate aldas tim what's your your path Every, there's so many different paths and then as a result of how popular motorsport is becoming, there's also thousands and thousands and thousands of people, and you are competing for eyeballs. You know, I, I don't see it as a competition between me and the people I know in this space because it doesn't work like that. There are literally enough eyeballs to consume all of that content. Um, but it's it's your job uh, to find ways and offer interesting enough points of view, interesting enough perspectives, funny takes, humorous takes. I mean, we just talked about Luke Sam for a minute. His his memes and clips and content are hilarious, and he stands out. But uh, I'm mm. I'm pretty sure he's just a dude doing it from his room. Yep. So I it, I think it's harder. I think it is harder. The the barriers to entry are different, but the once you're into Formula One, unless you're terrible, you'll be all right. Whereas you can't even you, yeah. Content creation is hard. That that's that's the thing. I I think with with creation, you see like you see the people who have risen to the top and uh, get the big numbers, but you don't see all of the thousands of others who've given it a go and have tried and, and haven't 
reach that because it is so yeah it's so accessible now which is great but also that means there's a lot more people doing it so i think the requirements are you have to do more to stand out like even you know when i started in 2019 yeah there were very few people doing it and that kind of i benefited from kind of being early to the early to the niche i guess but But you're also very good yeah it's it's you you would if if, no but seriously like if you if you weren't good you still wouldn't be i've been able to yeah, and, and, but I've been able to like work it on it over time, and I've had that. You know, I got furloughed, which enabled me to do it over lockdown and all of that. So there's all these different factors, you know. Furloughed. Yeah, exactly. Right? Send it, um, Blake. Blake, there's okay. one more question I've got. Actually, I was I was meant to ask this last time we spoke, and I forgot. You've obviously worked for India Red Bull, so you've had Otmar Safnauer and Christian Horner both as the top boss of your relative teams. How were they different as bosses, and were you particularly like one to one with them? I had several conversations with both of them, but in terms of like me and the way I needed to work, like for example, when, when Otmar Christian would come to speak to me or talk to me, it'd be like, what happened during the session? How did it go? How was your driver during your simulator session? Uh, how's that new package we brought to the car? I, I think both of them are very, very good team principals. And it's it's very interesting seeing Otmar under fire from Laurent Rossi right now, which we talked about the other week. Which is which is super interesting because I feel like Otmar is an extremely strong, um, no BS, get stuff done kind of team principal, and, and Christian the same. Um, but but both of them were both of them in my experience were extremely direct, uh, and you know you didn't really have to be like, oh, is something gonna happen? It's like they'll just tell you what they want or what they need. Yeah, and I, I think yeah. that's perfect. And they let and the good thing is they both let people. They've they are empowered to employ people to get them to do whatever they think is the right thing to do. And they'll have conversations. And obviously there's some situations where politics or commercial things or anything else gets in the way. And you're like, you know, this is the optimum thing to do, but for other reasons, we're obliged to do this. And you just say, okay, I understand. But for the, yeah. for the most part, they let they hire people and put them in place to do what they want to do. Otmar hasn't probably appointed very many of those people that he's, you know, being asked to put the hammer down onto so let him cook let him cook yeah yeah give him time i mean otmar does get a a slightly hard time sometimes but you don't get to that sort of position without being seriously talented at what you do um you know all all of these team principles force india was continually financially in the mud you know whatever reason you know um whole wide range of situations I do believe that Omar was responsible for helping keeping that machine going. And, uh, you know, that's that's an interesting skill that's maybe not the situation at Alpine now, for example, but I, I think he's, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, he's got a pretty hardcore boss at Alpine, isn't he? Yeah. He uh, doesn't doesn't pull any punches. Um, brilliant. Blake, um, I think we've, we've pretty much covered them. Yep. Um, and um, it's, it's great to get you on again. Um, thank you for taking the time out My of pleasure. your schedule. And um, and same to you, Tom, as well, for jumping on for this little part two of, of Blake. Um, and um, I'm sure we'll see you again soon. And um, I feel like there's more. There's more that we can do together. So for now, Blake Kinsey, thank you very much for joining us once again on the Motormouth Podcast. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at Motormouth underscore, Instagram at Motormouth underscore official, and Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can also download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile to interact with other fans, and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. We're also proud to be supporting the Brain Tumor Charity too, so make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumors quicker don't forget to like subscribe and review and until next time you've been listening to the motormouth podcast Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.